0: Hey, you ready? Hey, grab that right there. <laughs> Are you ready? Is you ready? Ready? You say you ready. Whole squad ready. Ready? Is you ready? Are you ready? Is you ready? ready? is you ready? Whole squad ready. We came hit a seat. Hi, everyone. Uh,
1: this is another episode of the Quackback Block show featuring myself, Josie Young, and Mr. Tom Gillis. Hi Joseph. Hi, how you
0: doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm per- doing pretty good myself. All right. Did you get up to anything fun and exciting this weekend, other than college football?
1: Uh, nothing too adventurous. Just staying at home, watching all these games going on. <laughs> like the true dress dress scout, I am. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Oregon beat Montana in a fairly business-like manner this past weekend. By a score of uh 35 to three. Uh what you think of the game?
0: I really enjoyed it. It was it was fun to see all of the, you know, again, the the menagerie of running backs that we have. And saw that we fixed a bunch of things that we were struggling with at Nevada. Mike Herbert coming out uh maybe a little too excited. Uh he seemed to come out a little more even killed this game. And really played uh, I'm gonna say Mistake free, air quotes, mistake free uh football. Um, no uh real major penalties and uh, no turnovers. So I enjoyed watching it. It was a bit after my bedtime.
1: Yeah, it was a little past everyone's bedtimes, I think. Those really late starts. Yeah. Fortunately, this week is a bit of an early start. I call it a normal start.
0: Yeah. What is it? Like four? Four.
1: Yeah, I think it's like 4 or 4.30. It's one of those times.
0: <laughs> yeah, what did you think of the game?
1: It was uh, it was uh, fairly interesting in the first half because Oregon couldn't get anything going, really, until the second half, until they finally let loose. And uh, Montana was exactly who we thought we were. they were, quoting Mr. Dennis Green. Mm-hmm yeah it's just their defense played a lot better than Nevada's did, that's for sure, because they tackled a lot better, and they were yeah you know, they were a lot better on offense than we expected.
0: yeah, I'll admit after the first quarter, I was afraid that the pac twelve after dark bug had struck again, but yeah, <laughs> we ended up pulling it out. um We didn't score quite as many times as I thought we would, but we uh still ended up coming up considerably on top.
1: Yeah, there was a couple of plays here and there that Herbert made that was really good, including that touchdown to uh, Breland, uh, Breland, I believe. God, it's nice. very especially, especially the first touchdown. The it was like four or five yards. Uh, I can't recall, but that was a big league throw that uh, that out that he threw for the touchdown just ahead of Breland. So that was pretty decent. Also, the second touchdown to Breland was pretty nice as well. They were all nice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Oregon showed a lot of different formations within the shotgun, including the split backfield on that uh, 20-yard touchdown, I believe. It was like 20 or more yards, where I think it was either Felix or Habibi Likio that motioned out from the split slot. And everyone, everyone on uh, Montana's defense gravitated to him, and that freed up Bruin to be on the wheel route wide open. So that was creative from Marcus Arroyo.
0: Yeah, I really like wheel routes. I think that that's probably, given today's um, popular defensive landscape, uh, one of the biggest weapons that a football team can have in uh, the way it's designed. Because sometimes it's a flat, <clears throat> sometimes it's an out, and I don't know the uh. I, I read an article about how dangerous the wheel route can actually be once run correctly and um I think that we're doing it pretty well. Yeah, the
1: passing game is a lot more developed from last year compared to this year. Yeah, you know, also what there were a couple of big injuries for us in the uh late in the first half, right before halftime, including uh our center, Jake Hansen. I think from watching the play where he got injured. I think they uh, there's a def- uh, defender that rolled into him, and it was a pure accident. There's nothing in- incidental or malicious about it. It's just how it happened. It's just a football play. But on that play, I saw that Hanson and missed his assignment, I believe, and he just got rolled up on. And I think it was a. I think he tweaked his knee. Oregon hasn't officially come out and said anything about it, but. It, Looking at the play, I think it was a knee injury.
0: Yeah, and I was really encouraged with uh, how the offensive line just stepped up and filled in his role like like nothing happened. It's nice to have somebody go down and not really be able to notice the effects that it has on the rest of the game. Uh, I think about a bowl game where our center went down, and that was pretty much the end of the game. But for the rest of the line to just next man up, it was... Very, very comforting, very encouraging to see that.
1: Yes, it was. Uh, it, it helps that Calvin Throckmorton is is very experienced at the center position, so there was very little drop off. The biggest concern with Throckmorton start, starting at center is uh, Brady Aiello starting at right tackle, because that's a significant drop off from him, Throckmorton to Aiello at the right tackle position. So that's a position of concern, I believe, going forward until Hanson comes back on that same play that uh Hansen got hurt uh Herbert threw a really really good pass to Johnny Johnson on on that uh on a scramble drill
0: <laughs> so that was a that was a re- that was a big league throw i believe and it's nice to see uh, somebody stepping up and wanting that primary receiver role where now i feel like okay we've got Breland and we have uh Johnny Johnson the 3rd
1: you know, another big injury we had before the half ended was to Thomas Graham Jr. I think it was an ankle injury, I believe. Um it was a lower leg injury either way. Mikel Wright, the true freshman, he stepped pretty stepped up pretty nicely for the Ducks in the second half. It comforts us that knowing Wright can step up at, at a moment's notice, I think. He he caught his uh, first interception right after his, right after halftime. So
0: that's, he's off to a pretty good start. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, he's going to be fun to watch the next couple of years.
1: Yeah, especially in 2020 after hopefully Graham stays, hopefully Lenore stays. But if one of them or both of them go pro, I think Wright will st- step up into CB1 duties and not lose a step. So what would you think of that play where Kayvon Thibodeau was in coverage against the back? And That was pretty interesting to see him in coverage. I don't think it
0: was designed that way, but the way he did that, it was very smooth. Uh, there are a few plays where the defensive back or the defensive end will drop back into coverage, especially if they're going to be bringing uh, the outside linebackers in. I've always kind of felt that uh, Kayvon Thibodeau is more of a, more of a hybrid uh, defensive end uh, outside linebacker. So for me, it wasn't, um, wasn't too, too foreign to me. To see that the surprising thing was that Snead thought it would be a good idea to test him,
1: yeah <laughs> yeah uh speaking of defensive standouts uh d j Johnson had another good game, especially on his uh power rush game where he just walked back the offensive guard multiple times. I love when that happens, yeah, yeah there was a weird drive in the third quarter, I believe, where Travis died didn't have had an interesting drive where. He almost ran into Herbert on that uh, touchdown pass where David Davis was blocking you know his you know what off for uh or I think it was I think it was Josh Delgado, rather yeah it was Delgado blocking so that could have been really really dangerous play the running back running into the quarterback while he's throwing so I don't know I guess they were confused on assignments because on that same drive, on that, um, I believe it was a third and medium conversion. That was going out the pass, and Herbert was like, "What are you doing?" When it was a play action pass, and fortunately, he he converted the third down. No, something else that stood out to me.
0: One of the things that stood out to me was Mace Funa again, just stepping up and being all over the field. I think he's currently leading the Pac-12 in tackles for loss. Um, he had uh, four against Nevada and I think he had another one um, against Montana. You know, as a, one of the future faces of our franchise, I think he's um, the future of our defensive line. Uh, I want to say is 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 bright, but it's like it's now. Um, I thought that I would enjoy watching uh, Thibodeau more this year as the number one overall uh, recruit. But Mace Funa is just one of those fast flying defensive ends that will just—they're becoming really disruptive in the backfield.
1: Yeah, there was one play where he disengaged from the blocker and read the uh, read the zone read from Snead, and he just completely shut that down. So his read and react skills are very impressive for a true freshman, especially for a true freshman. The one negative I saw for on the offensive side was the fourth down calls there because there is one of them where the offense went empty empty shotgun I was like and what do you and knowing you only had three or four yards to get and you're bigger than they are and I would have ran the ball in that situation so that's something for Marcus to improve on for next week for this week rather yeah Uh,
0: a few more things that Stood out to me was as much as how often we had Travis Dye run the ball. I think he lead overwhelmingly led the team in carries. He had he went 17 carries for 101 yards. And I think uh Sean Dollars was second on the team in, in yards with 69, but that also includes his 63 yard uh scamper. Uh,
1: yeah, he, I think I think much, was injured for most of it or he had back problems.
0: Yeah, he was he was in and out. Um I imagine that if we needed him <laughs> Uh, he would have stepped in, but by the time we started using him a little bit more, um, we had the game well in hand. Verdell um, did have the longest catch of the game, but only five rushes for 13 yards. I thought that with as much success as Felix had last week, that this week we'd use him a little bit more. But Travis Dye stepped up and carried the load this week.
1: Yeah, the running back rotations has been a bit weird like these past couple of games. Do you suppose that's on purpose,
0: trying to keep uh, our opponents guessing?
1: I think so. And also, riding the hot hand. I think they need to firm it up a little bit, a little bit more as, as we go forward. But it's, it's something interesting to keep an eye on throughout the season who gets how many carries and where and when. Because I think Sean Dollars is the, uh, has replaced CHL as a human victory cigar. Because <laughs> anytime <laughs> he's in, the game's pretty much over.
0: <laughs> Would anything else stand out to you this week?
1: Uh, nothing really. It's just by the fourth quarter rolled around. It's just you know they are basically playing preseason football more or less. <laughs> Moving on to the conference wide recap, what'd you think of the conference games that you watched, especially Wazoo and Houston? That was a pretty good game.
0: <laughs> a lot lower scoring than I expected. Yeah. Um. Especially considering it was uh it was two air raid teams going at it. Uh, Derek King uh, tying Tim Tebow's record for uh, consecutive games with a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown. One of my coworkers today said uh, uh, he enjoyed the cougar on cougar action. <laughs> um, don't Google that, by the way. Um, yeah, I was looking forward to this game because it was two of the most candid, most unpredictable coaches in NCAA playing each other.
1: Uh, yeah. Speaking of Wazoo, did you happen to catch the uh, the clip that's going viral of Mike Leach comparing all the 12 mascots? Uh,
0: I did. I did. Where he's uh, talking about how we need to consult the uh, consult the Harry Potter nerds to talk about the Sun Devils' powers and um, how in a in a fight the uh, the duck would probably just become disinterested and fly away
1: yeah yeah that's classic Mike leach. I hope he stays forever <laughs> yeah wazoo in Houston was a lot more um a lot more simple than I expected. Wazoo ran away with it and at the end but uh, it was it was a fairly good game overall especially late yeah Oklahoma and UCLA, is uh I think that played out as as we expected as well. Given Oklahoma's ranking and their high-powered offense against Chip Kelly's, um, shall we say, offensive offense. <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty yeah. much rinse and repeat. Oklahoma's good. Uh, UCLA is not.
1: UCLA kept it competitive for a little bit there. It's just Oklahoma eventually ran away with it. They, were, they overpowered them. So, simple done and dusted. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there was another game going on at the same time as the Oregon game, the Texas Tech and Arizona. That was, that was a pretty good game, considering. Yeah, I mean,
0: that's where all of the offense went. Uh, Arizona yeah. had 499 yards of total offense. Um, I guess that's, uh, that's a big 12 defense for you. Do you think Khalil Tate has put his name in the Heisman candidacy, candidacy
1: uh, hat? Uh. It's in the hat, but I don't think he'll, he'll come close. It's, I think he's too far behind the other contenders, such as uh, Jalen Hurts and Tua, to make a difference in the race. But we'll see. Yeah, there is one receiver for Texas Tech. Uh, his name is uh, TJ Vasher. He's one of the best receivers in the country that no one knows about because of their offense, offensive system, and uh, I think he'll get drafted really high when when the draft rolls around. So keep an eye on that guy.
0: They know about
1: him yeah. now. A good job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had a really a crazy catch near the end zone where he just tippy-toed the sideline and just caught it with his insane wingspan. So that that was on uh, SportsCenter for a while there. Yeah, moving on to uh, this week's opponent who played uh, UCF last week in Orlando. They didn't fare too well there in the bounce house. And uh, UCF just ran all over them, and the score line doesn't say it, but where Stanford scored a couple of garbage time touchdowns to make it closer than it appears. But uh, I don't know if this portends well for the Cardinal going forward.
0: Oh, it definitely doesn't. Actually, my big my biggest takeaway from this game was how bad it was for UCF because they were looking forward to Stanford being their marquee matchup of the year for that game that they can point to and say, see. This is why we need to be in the playoff. And I suppose when they scheduled this game back, and I think it was 2014, that looked pretty good. Um, they were just coming off of a Rose Bowl appearance. They're ranked number five in the country. And now they're in this, this dip, this down year. And the timing really couldn't be any worse for UCF. Uh, they don't really have any more quality opponents on their, their schedule. They don't play Memphis, which is the only other team ranked in the SP Plus uh, top 25. And their next highest ranked opponent is Cincinnati, uh, which is at 50. So I think that with as bad as Stanford is this year, it's going to be hard for them to get into the playoffs. Although uh, the ESPN Analytics have UCF with a 9% chance of making the college football playoff, uh, which is one percentage chance. Better than Oregon. Yeah, which is surprising.
1: Yeah, it's just the UCF just dominated that game. And especially another thing to watch out for is Walker Little's absence played a huge role in the UCF defense getting to where they needed to go against the freshman left tackle. And so if I was uh, Andy Avalos, I would be focusing on that guy, sending all the blitzes that way, see if he can handle it. Also, KJ Costello wasn't 100% after being uh, decked a couple of weeks ago and missing time. Yeah, I don't think he's completely all right right now. So <laughs> we'll see We'll see this weekend. <laughs> that wraps up our uh, Pac-12 recap segment. Moving on to our next segment, our weekly What's Willie Doing segment. Um, last weekend, Willie, they were driving, Florida was driving down uh, to... Tied the game, I believe, and they ran out of time on a really, really bad call.
0: I'm Willie, and I have the time stone. I can run yeah. up <laughs> the extra seconds with my mind.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, the quarterback missed a wide open receiver that would have scored easily earlier in that drive. Of course, that would happen. And then, yeah, and the the last. I think the Virginia the home clock operator had a little bit of home cooking going on because Florida State had the first down right right near the five yard line and it's just they're supposed to stop the clock as you know but the clock kept on running and yeah because Willie so,
0: has the time stone yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's just uh, Willie during his uh, press conference he threw uh, the office coordinator on the bus saying that Oh, he calls the plays. I don't. I don't have anything to do with it. I'm like, of course you do. You're the head coach. You're supposed to have something to do with it. And it's uh his tenure is not going to last long if those efforts continue. So
0: it wouldn't be the first time that he fired a coordinator mid-season. I wouldn't be surprised if Coach Levitt was back to his defensive coordinator sometime soon.
1: Yeah, because the Florida State defense isn't faring too well, unfortunately.
0: The whole team isn't doing very well. Um, they had five personal foul penalties in the second half. Um, that's not indicative of any sort of um, any sort of discipline or positive attitude. Um,
1: yeah, just uh,
0: (laughs) we'll see what Levitt does because
1: so far all indications that he is the defensive coordinator just uh, not being named named to position already. (laughs) Moving on to our next segment is uh. What are some of the notable games you're keeping your eye on this coming week?
0: Uh, Well, actually, my game of the week this week is the Oregon-Stanford game. Um, It's going to be fun to see Oregon, to see if they have uh, what it takes to get up for a good defense um, after playing the fantastic defense at Auburn and two pretty cupcake defenses. The two ranked games this week are Michigan and Wisconsin and Auburn and Texas A&M. Yeah,
1: I'm looking forward to watching those, especially Auburn and Texas A&M. Yeah, given Auburn's defense, we already, are, already know all about
0: the those guys and how good they are. Yeah, and uh, for some reason, Texas A&M is a three and a half point favorite at home. I think that's wildly inaccurate. Um, I would have Auburn winning this game.
1: Yeah, I've seen comparisons of uh, Mond the A&M quarterback, to a uh, to a college version of Colin Kaepernick so that's a pretty interesting comparison to have for him I can see it based on his play style it's the, the I think the battle will be run one in the trenches because Auburn's defensive line is ferocious yeah. <laughs> so we'll see if the A&M offensive line can hold
0: up yeah I think that if Auburn plays the way that they played against Oregon they'll have a, a pretty decent chance I think Texas A&M's Offensive weapons, they're a little more talented than ours. Um, yeah. But we had a better defense. So it'll be it'll be very similar to uh, Oregon, I think, that Auburn comes away just a little bit more ahead in this one.
1: Yeah. We'll see how Auburn's true freshman quarterback goes, how he fares in Kyle Field and that pressure cooker. Yeah, another Pac-12 game on um, I- – have my eye on, and eye on is a uh, Utah versus USC. We will see if Slovis is for real against that fearsome Utes
0: defense. Uh, yeah, I've got Utah winning this one pretty well, too. Um, Slovis, uh, I'll have to admit I was wrong when I said that uh, I really liked him and that he was the, the next best thing. Um, he still shows flashes of brilliance, but he's still a little bit more inconsistent for my taste. I have Utah going into the Coliseum and taking this one pretty easily.
1: Uh, I think Zach Moss is going to run all over him as he usually does <laughs> that that Utah defense is something else I'm glad Oregon doesn't play him this year unless they meet in the uh, conference championship game <laughs> I think another low key underrated game is LSU and Vanderbilt uh, LSU is coming off the high of uh, that winning over Texas the way they did and Vanderbilt, in their only big game, just got destroyed by Purdue. So I think they'll have something to play for. Also, I'm interested in seeing Vanderbilt's tight end, uh, Jared Pinkney go against LSU's defense. And uh, also their start running back, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, he should do well, I think.
0: I would disagree. I think LSU finally <laughs> has themselves a nice little rhythm and a nice little identity. Uh, and Vandy just kind of rolled over and let Georgia walk over him. And I can see them doing kind of the same thing for LSU. Um, It's just not going to be pretty. Uh, Yeah, I've got LSU by like, I think 17 points in this game.
1: Yeah, it's still shocking to see LSU with a modern offense. It's jarring
0: to see. (laughs) Uh, wasn't uh, Wasn't it last year when someone asked Coach Helton why he didn't go five wide? He said, because they don't have five wide receivers. And now they're throwing the ball all all over the field.
1: I don't know. Joe Burrows might actually win the Heisman.
0: I mean, LSU does have a pretty tough schedule. After uh, Vanderbilt and Utah State, they go they host Florida. I mean, they're still a top ten ranked team. Um, then they go to a Mississippi State team. It's better than anybody thought. Then they host Auburn, Alabama, and finish the year with Texas A&M. I mean, they've got some good opportunities for a loss. They can be uh, they could be a three-loss team, but still visually and skill set-wise be a top-five team in the league. Unfortunately, yeah. the polls don't, wouldn't give a three-loss team a top-five ranking. No. And their Super Bowl is the Alabama game. Everybody's Super Bowl is the Alabama
1: game. That's true. <laughs> Even more so for the Bayou Bengals. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think in the past three, Games combined between the two LSU's only score like I think ten points I've read somewhere in the past three games, so they have a lot to prove on offense against Bama. So also the other big game of the week is uh, Notre Dame versus Georgia in Athens between the Hedges. I think that's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a lot closer than the spread indicates. The I think the spreads up to Georgia by thirteen or fourteen. I think it's gonna be a lot closer
0: than that. Uh, Yeah, I have the spread at 14 and a half. And um, I agree. I agree. I don't think that Georgia will win by that much, but they'll still win and make it look pretty easy. I think that Georgia has better talent all around. Yeah. Notre Dame has a pretty good defense, Georgia's better. I think Georgia outmatches them um, with their offensive weapons at Sanford Stadium, just as that next level of difficulty. I think that UND is going to get uh, pretty exposed in a lot of their weaknesses in this game. The one matchup I'm
1: looking forward to watching in that game is uh, Notre Dame's defensive uh Julian Okara against Georgia's offensive tackle, Andrew Thomas. Because Andrew Thomas is one of the best offensive tackles in this draft class. And I think Okara is really underrated. So um,
0: we'll see that matchup yeah that whole notre dame defensive line i don't know what it is but notre dame's defensive lines lately have been really impressive um okara and then uh, khalid kareem uh coming around the edge there he's tall and fast that's where the matchup to me really is too is in the, the trenches seeing how george's offensive line stands up to notre dame's defensive line
1: yeah Georgia's offensive line could all get drafted early <laughs> they're that good yeah so another matchup in that game i'm watching is uh notre dame's receiver slash tight end chase claypool against georgia's secondary Claypool's really good and he blew up during that uh louisville game in the season opener on labor day so georgia will have plenty of tape to watch on him uh, i think he's gonna be the next big thing out
0: of notre dame yeah, I have on my notes, the way that Notre Dame wins this game is that they can out-coach Kirby Smart, which can be done, um, and to establish the pass. So like you were saying, get those those tight ends, the wide receivers open against that Georgia defensive secondary, which for the first time in a long time, at least as long as I can remember, um, doesn't really have a first-round draft talent on the defense.
1: Yeah, another in-conference game I want, I'm looking forward to is... Um is Colorado against Arizona State, which Arizona State is coming off that really emotional win against Michigan State in East Lansing <laughs> on the blown field goal where Michigan State made the field goal the first time, and then they got called for a penalty for 12 men on the field, and which I've never seen before on a field goal try, and they missed the subsequent quick kick like usual, so – We'll see if Arizona State can stop Colorado on offense.
0: I don't think so. Um, Colorado uh, looked really good against Air Force against a scheme that was not typical. I think the game before they went, they completed one pass. So it's really difficult to, to play defense against a team that doesn't throw the ball all that often. They got out schemed more than anything. And I think Arizona State comes back to more of the traditional offensive looks that they're used to, and Colorado can play more to their strengths. I have this one, uh, again, as an upset. Colorado over yeah. Arizona State.
1: The so One matchup I'm looking forward to in that game is uh, LaVisca Le- Chenault versus uh, Arizona State's cornerback, Jack Jones. He was a transfer from USC, but he's really fast. So we'll see how that matchup pans out, if
0: at all. One of the things I was really looking forward to going into this season was seeing how creative Colorado was going to be using LaVisca Chenault. And they don't really seem to pull him out of the receiving role very often this year.
1: Yeah, it's going to be it's an interesting slate of games this week. A lot of big-name games, a lot of underrated games this week. Uh, so we'll see how it all pans out. I think there's a couple of upsets in there somewhere.
0: I also have Tennessee... At Florida, as an upset watch, Florida's on its second string quarterback, and I think Tennessee's trending in a positive direction as well. Uh, The last couple of games, they've just been getting better and better, and I think that with a down Florida and a Tennessee team with positive momentum, that could happen.
1: Another interesting game that comes on around the same time as Oregon game is uh, Texas against Oklahoma State, where... Oklahoma State has the number one leading rusher and the number one leading receiver against the Texas defense that didn't play too hot against LSU. So we'll see how that turns out because Chuba Chuba Hubbard is really good. He's a really good running back. He was recruited by Marcus Arroyo, believe it or not.
0: Chuba Hubbard, the best name in college football.
1: Yeah, also Oklahoma State's receiver, Tylen Wallace, he's really good too. So he's a Blitnikoff candidate, I believe. I think this will be good preparation for Texas when they play Oklahoma later on in the year during the state fair. So that's going to be another game to keep an eye on. Do they call that the Red River Shootout anymore? It's called the Red River Robbery because the negative connotations of the word shootout, so they changed it a few years ago. Yeah, so that wraps up our notable week four games for the week. Uh, Looking ahead to the Oregon-Stanford game, what do you think?
0: are the key matchups in order for Oregon to win? Key matchups are going to be playing mistake-free ball like we did against Montana. The the biggest way that we lose this game is we beat ourselves. Dumb false start penalties, making poor reads, turnovers, that's how we're going to lose this game. Um, The way Stanford's playing right now, it it doesn't seem to be that much of a challenge to beat them. Um, I would say reducing mental errors on our behalf and trying to just get that run game going. I think that Stanford's defense is down a little bit again this year. Everybody's down on Stanford this year from what I can tell. Uh, The guys at at Banner Society are calling it the Stanford Plateau. Um, Shout out Banner Society, by the way. Uh, PAPN and um, Shutdown Fullcast is part of the the Vox Media Network here. Um, Two of my favorite podcasts. I listen to them religiously.
1: Yes, they're, they're a very talented group of people.
0: I started the season high on Stanford, uh, but then with Little's absence and KJ Costello going down, it's really hard for me to find a strength in Palo Alto. I mean, I know I was singing the praise of the defensive secondary last week, but I don't know anymore. Yeah. I don't know. What do you, what do you think our keys to victory are? I think
1: I I think, The biggest key is getting over the mental hurdle as a team over, you know, being on the road and in a hostile environment. That was a big bugaboo last year where the team just kind of wasn't there on road games and they didn't get up for it in contrast to the home games. And I think they need to get over that mental hurdle. And I think they have to stop uh, Cameron Scarlett, the Stanford running back, in order to have a chance. Because once Stanford gets that running game going, it's it's hard to beat them. And whoever, whichever Oregon receiver matches up against uh, Stanford's cornerback uh, Paulson Adibo, he's one of the best cornerbacks in the in the nation. Mm-hmm. He's one or two on my board. So whoever matches up when it, with him has to win that matchup in order for Justin Herbert to have a chance. Let's see,
0: where do I have him on my board? Um, I have him. Yeah, he's number two on my board. Behind Tavon Diggs of Alabama?
1: In the conference wise, he's like one or two behind um, either ahead or behind uh, Miles Bryant of Washington on my board. So it's, this cornerback class is really good overall nationally. So if you need a corner like the Jaguars do, you probably, <laughs> it's probably good here to have one. <laughs> yeah, the Jalen Ramsey story is really crazy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I've got about 11 or 12 cornerbacks that could go in the first round.
1: It's one of the deeper position groups in this draft class. Along with running back, which has been the case for the past couple of years, I think we'll have a running back renaissance pretty soon (laughs) in the NFL.
0: It all comes full circle.
1: Imagine that in this era of uh, shotgun, wide open, passing, a running back, come back in style. So uh, give us a score prediction for Oregon versus Stanford, if you have one already.
0: Um, 35-14, and it's probably not going to be that close.
1: Okay, that's interesting. My prediction is Oregon uh, about 38, Stanford 24, because I think Stanford will get up for this game, given it's a primetime game at home, and... Everyone's going to be watching, and I think Costello's going to ball out a little bit, but not enough to beat Oregon. Also, Andy Avalos is really good at what he does, so we'll see. <laughs> Stanford per- matches up with Oregon's play style, I think, where Oregon wants to be big and physical, where UCF wants to be fast, where Stanford's physical and Oregon's physical, so it matches up pretty well, so it won't be a blowout either way, I don't think. Yeah, if I had to choose a, a carbon copy team for Oregon, I would choose Stanford, well, past-era past, past era Stanford. Not this year's crop to Stanford, but <laughs> give their recruiting style to Cristobal. I think that's where he t- intends to go as a program. So do you have any other thoughts on the Oregon versus Stanford matchup?
0: I do not. Do you have any closing thoughts? I'd like to get a shout-out to my... University of Idaho Vandals uh, taking on the Wyoming Cowboys. They held their own for three and a half quarters, and the score was not really indicative of how the game went. Uh, I thought they looked fantastic, and I'm excited to see what they do uh, going forward the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, my closing thoughts are: uh, you can you guys can follow me on uh, Ducking Goals for 7 that's my personal account and the the please follow the addicted the quack account at addicted quack on our various social media platforms and we will have a social media account pretty soon and please give us a listen a rating and a review on the various podcast sites and we greatly appreciate if you do so i believe that's all and go ducks go ducks